Uh, how many of you have been watching the Winter Olympics this year? Uh, I haven't, but I'm glad that you have. <laughs> there, there's the exciting events where the whole goal is to do tricks and it's to get height off of a ramp. Like suddenly you're skiing and then you're, you're up in the air and you're flipping upside down and you're doing these helicopter spins and moves like that. Uh, not this Olympics, but I wanna take you back to the Winter Games in 2018. There was this one Olympian, Olympic competitor by the name of Elizabeth Sweeney. And maybe you've heard of her and maybe you know her story and maybe you don't. I didn't know it until recently. But Elizabeth Sweeney is not an elite athlete. And you might find that hard to believe because if you watch the Olympics on TV and you're seeing these people do these incredible athletic feats, you might just assume that in order to get to the Olympics, you've got to be the best of the best. You've got to be at the top of your game. Well, in the case of Elizabeth Sweeney, that is not true. Elizabeth Sweeney is an athlete. She's actually from Oakland, so I'm, I'm hoping she doesn't walk in and hear me talking about her. She's, she's not too far from us. Uh, but she's always wanted to be an Olympic athlete, but she's not elite. Like she's been average at all different kinds of sports. But she said, I wanna go to the Olympic games. And she kind of found this loophole. She kind of found a way to game the system and make it to Pyeongchang in 2018, the Olympic games. How did she do that? Well, she said, what sport are there not that many athletes in the world? Like what's the least represented sport at the Olympics? And she found out that women's freestyle skiing, uh, there's only like 30 elite competitors in the whole world. In 2018, it was a new event to the Olympics, and she said, okay, well, maybe I'll go and compete with that. It's sort of a new thing. Maybe that'll be my foot in the door. And, uh, but she would go to these international competitions that you would have to go to in order to qualify to make it to the Olympics, and she would place last, and she would do terribly. And if you watch these events on been seeing the tricks and the amazing things that they can do, and then you watch Elizabeth Sweeney ski, she doesn't do any of that. She can't do a flip. She doesn't get very high off the, the edge of the half pipe. She kind of just sort of like skis down the middle. This was her strategy. So you might think, well, how does she get to the Olympics by barely even competing in the sport? Well, the thing about women's freestyle skiing and this whole half pipe attempt and doing tricks and trying to gain height is that people fall all the time just left and right, like falling and losing points because of that. Her strategy was not to be the best of the best, but was just to show up and not fall. And she participated in enough international competitions that she accrued points that qualified her to make it to the Olympics. Another way she gamed the system is that even though she's from Oakland, she, her parents are from Hungary, so she represented the country of Hungary, which didn't have that many people like raising their hands saying, yeah, I'll go and compete. The U.S. did, but she said, you know what, I'll go and I'll represent Hungary. And uh, if you're wondering how she did in the Olympics in 2018, she got dead last. She got 34 points out of 100. But Elizabeth Sweeney fulfilled her dream to become an Olympic athlete, and she went and she competed in the Olympics. She didn't bring home any medals, but she just showed up and she tried not to fall. The reason I'm starting with this is because that's kind of what you get with the, prop, the prophet Amos. Amos was not an elite athlete. He was not a prophet at the top of his game. He was not first on the list of God sending prophets to go and speak on his behalf to Israel. He was just some guy who showed up and tried not to fall. 
He tried to do the best that he could. You might hear this and say, well, what do you mean he's not elite? We're talking about him to this day. He's, his name is Amos. He's in the Bible. He's one of the prophets. Surely he's got to be, God, there's something that's worth talking about. And there is, but it might not be what you think. We're talking about Amos the prophet. But like I said earlier, we'll see in the text, Amos doesn't even call himself a prophet. He's like, I'm not, I'm not a prophet. The way that Elizabeth Sweeney is not a competitive, tricky, uh, elite athlete for the Olympics. Let's read the text together. What we're going to do is hear what we heard last week. You'll, you'll be like, hey, this is the text from last week. It is, but we're going to continue where we stopped last week. You might remember they told Amos, uh, get lost. We don't like your message. Why don't you go prophesy someplace else? This week, we're going to hear Amos's response. This is Amos chapter 7, starting in verse 10. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words, for this is what Amos is saying. Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will surely go into exile, away from their native land. Then Amaziah said to Amos, get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, remember Beth-el, because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. And this is what Amos said. I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go and prophesy to my people Israel. So now, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel, stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city. Mm. And your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up, and you yourself will die in a pagan country. And Israel, it will surely go into exile away from their native land. Harsh words, again, but the kind of feedback Israel needed to hear. And who got tasked to go and deliver this message? Why? Amos. And he's accused by us and here by Amaziah too of being a prophet. They say, get out, you seer. Go back to Judah. Do your prophesying there. We don't like this kind of prophet. But Amos says, listen, here's a big spoiler for you. I'm not a prophet. I was never trained as a prophet. I don't want to be a prophet if I'm perfectly honest about this. I'm a shepherd. And sometimes I deal with trees. And... Sheep and trees are a lot easier to deal with than people. They usually do what you tell them to do. And that's not the case with this message God gave me to send. This gig is not for me, he tells them. And we know from the rest of Amos, passages that we've read in previous weeks, that Amos wasn't the first person that God sent to give feedback to Israel. God told Israel, you silenced the prophets. Amos chapter 2 Verses 11 and 12, I raised up prophets from among your children and Nazarites from your youth. Is this not true, people of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine, something they'd taken a vow not to do. And you commanded the prophets not to prophesy. He's reminding them, I sent other prophets and you did this. They've already been rejected. And so what does God do? He says, all right, I'm going to go deep into my bench. Who else do we got? Uh, we'll send this guy, uh, Amos. If you go back, and you can do this today, you can go online and you can watch Elizabeth Sweeney's 2018 Olympic run. 
And it's funny to listen to the commentators because it's clear that they have no idea who she is or why she's skiing so basically. They're like, oh, we've got, uh, who's it? Elizabeth Sweeney uh, representing Hungary. And they watch her. They're commenting as she's kind of doing not very impressive moves. They're like, ooh, uh, she didn't get a lot of air on that one. Uh, oh. She missed the grab there. Well, uh, okay, uh, here we go. And then again, 34 points out of 100, last place. The same sort of thing I could imagine would have happened when Amos went in to prophesy for the Lord. If people were commentating about this, they probably would have said a lot of the same thing. Well, now here comes, who's, you know who this guy is? No, some guy, and uh, he looks and smells like he might be a shepherd. Um, I don't know. Ooh, he just told the priest that his wife would become a prostitute. He's definitely going to lose some points on that move right there. So we come to realize as we study, as we listen to Amos' own words, that Amos was less of a prophet and he was more of a non-prophet. I'm actually very proud of that wordplay there, so I'll probably say that a couple more times. Amos was a non-prophet. So what? Why should we care about that? Well, you might find yourself in a role that God calls you to serve in, and your response might be, I am a, I'm a non-prophet. I am not an elite performer. I have no previous experience. I may not have any training. You may not even have the actual desire to do it. But God still might call you to something the way that Amos did. Tri-Valley is a nonprofit organization. It is full of people who feel like they're competing more at the Elizabeth Sweeney level or the Amos the Shepherd level. But despite our lack of credentials, despite our lack of qualifications, even, will we do what Elizabeth Sweeney and what Amos did, and that is simply show up, do what we know how to do, and try our best not to fall? That's the question for us this morning. You might sound like Amos. You want to give his response. Hey, I don't know, Jacob, I'm not a prophet. I, uh, I wouldn't call myself a prophet. That makes us ask, if we don't think we're prophets, and Amos the prophet didn't think he was a prophet, what exactly is a prophet? Is it somebody who has a degree from prophet university? Uh, is it somebody who was struck by lightning as a kid and now has like a, a channel into the, the mind of God, like a serious radio station? Like, oh, oh, uh, I'm getting something. This is what God says. No. People have different ideas of what a prophet or a prophecy is based on movies we've seen or however you go to define the word but if you broaden the definition of what a prophet is you listen to people in scripture you pay attention to what kind of constitutes a prophet it's basically just somebody who is speaking on behalf of the lord somebody who speaks the words of the lord is a prophet and of course the biblical prophets are prophets they're speaking a word from God that they get directly, and a lot of times it's a new word. It's a, it's a word that the people needed to hear because they've missed it before, something like that. So sometimes we can get stuck in going, I don't have a new word from the Lord. I don't have a direct line into God's mind, into God's heart. But again, broaden the definition. You know God. You know what God wants. You can confidently say a lot of things about what God's hope is for his people, how God feels about his children. You can pronounce blessings on people and say, God loves you with a lot of confidence. And when you do, you are speaking a prophetic word. When we read the words of Amos and we hear the heart of God from the, the scriptures, we are hearing or proclaiming a prophetic word. 
Whenever you say Jesus is Lord or Jesus is risen or Jesus is the Son of God, that is a prophetic word from the Lord. I talked before about the girls' conference, and this reminds me of something that they do almost every year. They, they create something called a prayer trail. Give me a little head nod if you've participated in a girls' conference prayer trail. Most of the men have not. Um, surprise, surprise. It's just a series of signs on a trail, and you walk, and it's a prompt. A lot of times it's from Scripture. Uh, God, I'll never leave you or I'll never forsake you. Do you know that, that, that I love you? Do you know that you're my child and I, I died, I sent my son for you? It's kind of a meditation. You walk and you hear sentiments from God as you go and you're supposed to reflect on them. It's a fantastic tool. And I'm so proud of the people that build these and that make these and I'm excited that so many people get to participate in this. But when you walk on a prayer trail, you are hearing a word from the Lord. At the end of a VeggieTales episode, when Bob and Larry say, remember kids, God made you special and he loves you very much. That is a word from the Lord. I was doing some training, the ministry training in San Francisco about five years ago. It was like this intense week thing. And I was participating with people who'd flown in from all around the country. Just this little band of people listening and studying together observing some ministers and what they were doing. And there was this young couple, and I told you about them before. You might remember. Their names were uh, Lauren and Tom. And they were from New Jersey. They'd gotten married a year before, and they decided, hey, you know what we want to do for our first anniversary? Let's go participate in this training. So they, they bought flights, and they dropped money to, to participate in this program. And this was like their, uh, their first anniversary wedding trip. And I'd been getting to know them over the course of the week, and part of the thing was they wanted to start a house church. They wanted to share the gospel with their friends and neighbors, but they didn't know how, and they were frustrated that they'd, they'd left these larger churches, and they wanted to start really doing something for the Lord, but they just felt stuck. So they were kind of down on themselves. And anyway, one afternoon, about you know, 80% of the way through this program, we were at a coffee shop, and we were meeting with somebody who was going to teach us something, but it was before we started, so we're just chatting, we're just drinking coffee and hanging out. And I turned to Lauren and Tom and I said, hey, listen, you guys, I, I really want to tell you that I think, I know you're concerned about a lot of things, but if I see a young couple who's so dedicated to serving the Lord that they're willing to like make their first anniversary trip, like getting ministry training, and you came all the way out to San Francisco, the way that you guys love each other, the heart that you have for ministry, I said, I know you guys are worried, but I think you don't have a lot to worry about. I think you guys are centered in Christ, you're on the right track, and you guys are going to be just fine. I just wanted to encourage them a little bit. And the guy who was supposed to be teaching us something later, he, he heard that and he said, hmm, I think that might have been a word from the Lord right there. Maybe we should pray right now. And I said, what? <laughs> that was? I, I mean, I was just saying nice things to them that I, I thought were true. He's like, hmm, maybe God is speaking through you. Maybe he's trying to tell them something. And we prayed and we thanked God for his presence. And it was just, it was weird for me. I got to be honest. I, I'm not used to people saying, that might have been a word from the Lord because it wasn't from the Bible. It wasn't from a guy like Amos, and I'm not a prophet. I know of a lot of people who have had experiences where they, they hear the voice of God or they felt like just certain that this is where God was leading them. And if I'm honest, I, I haven't had those kinds of experiences. I hear God in other ways. Um, but somebody saying that that might have been a prophetic word from the Lord, it really just made me think differently about it. And maybe that's how you feel. Maybe you don't like the word prophesying or a prophecy or you don't think that you are capable of delivering a prophetic word for the Lord. 
I say, that's fine. Because, well, because I feel that way too. But also because that's what Amos says. Is I'm, not, I'm not a prophet, but you know, here's what God says. Here's what God sees, and here's something you might want to hear. Even if you don't consider yourself a prophet, you can still speak a word from the Lord. It might be a word of encouragement, something that just comes on your heart. Hey, I just want to let you know how loved you are, how talented you are, how much I appreciate you and our relationship. It also may be more along the lines of some feedback that only people who are close can make with each other. Maybe you say something to somebody like, I just need to let you know that I, I think what you're doing is trying to justify some not very Christ-like behavior. Maybe something for you to consider. Maybe you say, tell somebody, you know, I've, I've heard, I've sat here and listened to you and I know the situation. Maybe what needs to happen is that you need to apologize to them. Or maybe you work up the courage and tell somebody, I see some really destructive attitudes or behaviors in your life and I love you and I'm here for you if I can help you deal with those. That might be a prophetic word from the Lord. And again, if you feel reluctant about doing that, then the good news is you're in company because being reluctant about doing something that God has called you to do, it's almost like this grand biblical tradition. There's example after example after example of some of the people whose names are on our Bibles and who people still name their kids after to this day that when you read their story and God said, oh, go do this, their first response was, not me, uh, not me. Can you think of any examples of a leader of a biblical figure, of somebody from Scripture who was called to do something but was reluctant? Moses. Yeah. I need you to go uh, free all the slaves. There's a lot of them. <laughs> it's, just, it's the most powerful government in the world. Just go up and tell them, like, let them go. That's what God wants you to do. I, I'm not a speaker. People won't listen to me. The people won't follow me. Moses was a reluctant leader. Who else? Jonah. Jonah. Oh, man. I can relate to Jonah. I need you to do this, Jonah. What if instead I do this? I want you to go here. No, no, no. I want to go over here. Jonah, go tell these people that they need to change. And they're going to, and then I'm going to forgive them. Jonah, oh, I hate it when you forgive people. I want to see some fireworks. I want you to crush those jerks. Can we go do that instead? Lord, no. I'm going to love them. I'm going to forgive them. And Jonah pouts. And the book of Jonah ends with Jonah pouting. That's the end. Sometimes you pout. Who else? Gideon. Gideon. Yeah. One of the judges of Israel. He was like, uh, God says, go attack these people with fewer soldiers than you were planning on using. And, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. God, can you give me a sign that this will work? Sure. What do you want? Fleece test. Right? You heard the fleece test? Put the fleece outside your tent in the morning. The fleece is going to be dry and the ground all around it is going to be wet. Okay, so I'll do that. He does it. Wow, it worked. So now you trust me? Are you going to go do this thing? Let's do a second fleece test. <laughs> this time I'll put the fleece out. The fleece is wet and the ground is dry all around. So like, now let's do that. Right, and then God says, sure, okay, here's the second fleece test. And then he went and did it. But yeah, reluctant leaders for sure. You could go on and on and on. If that's how you feel, you're in good company. Second thing to remember about feeling reluctant as somebody speaking a word for the Lord is that Amos doesn't say, I'm not a prophet, as an excuse to get out of doing what God wants him to do. And some of the other leaders we do see, Moses, I'm not speaking, like find somebody else. 
Moses tells them, or Amos tells them, I'm not a prophet. And it almost validates his message even more. They're saying, we don't like your message. We don't like prophets of your ilk. So why don't you go do that someplace else? And Amos says, are you kidding? You think I don't know how this sounds? You think I don't know that this is an unpopular message? You think that I said, you know what's going to be great? You know what they're going to want to tip me for? Is a message that's saying, you guys are going down. If I was doing this for money, if I was just trying to earn my bread, then I'd say, good job. Keep up the good work. Israel's doing great. God's super happy. He's like, I know how it sounds. I'm not a prophet. This is not my thing. I'm just being faithful. I'm just telling you what God needs you to hear. You can do whatever you want with it, but, <laughs> you know, they don't like his message. He doesn't back off or backpedal or soften it. He kind of doubles down and says, no, no, this destruction is coming. You guys should take this seriously. His way of saying, I'm not a prophet, is a way of authenticating his message. It actually increases, increases the value of what he's doing for the Lord. His attitude in this situation is, if you say go, I'll go. If you say wait, I'll wait. Step out on the water, etc. This is what I want us to take away from Amos today. Amos so far has been kind of hard. And honestly, the last couple lessons have been like Israel's failure. And this like, ooh, how are we failing as well kind of thing. But the next couple lessons is the, the positive side of this. It's like everybody's unfaithful in Amos, but Amos... He's this kind of ray of hope. What we can be as well. You don't have to have the expertise. You don't have to have the title. You don't even have have to have the desire. All you have to do sometimes is just show up and say, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Just like Elizabeth Sweeney, show up, go at your own pace, and try not to fall down. Sometimes we do this. We say, uh, God can't use me. We do the math. We're good at doing the math. We do this every day. We calculate our time, our abilities, the challenges ahead of us, and we go, conclusion, God can't use me to do this. Sometimes, we don't like to admit this, we'll say, God can't use that person. Maybe God could use me. I might be able to pull this up, but like, We're, we're quick to do that. And what that really reveals to us is how small we think God is, or how not involved in our lives God is. At least Gideon, you know, was talking with God. At least Gideon believed, well, I know, God, you can probably answer my prayer. You could do this fleece test. And that's a little bit of hope. Maybe if he could do the fleece test, he can do the beat the army test. But sometimes we just kind of, we write God off or we discount ourselves because we've done the math and we say, God can't use me. I know me and I know how this is going to go. But I really want to encourage you, don't, don't put stock in that Put stock in the fact that God has always done amazing things through not amazing people, and God still does that to this day. God can, and God does, and God will. That's an encouraging message if you feel like a nonprofit. Here's my closing image. I don't know if you'll relate to this, but I, I liked it. Um, go ahead and show us an electric guitar, Arinda. There it is. So this is a band called Queen. You may have heard of them, this world-famous rock and roll band. And the guitar player for Queen is named Brian May. He's been a you know, founding member of the band. He's been in the band. They still tour now, um, even with their new singer. So uh, Brian May is this like, world-renowned guitar player. And this, his guitar is actually really famous. They call it the Red Special. Brian May built this guitar himself when he was 15 years old. 
And this is the same guitar that he made when he was 15. It held up. He did a good job. It held up. It's the one on all the Queen records, on all the Queen live shows. He still takes it on the road with him to this day, the Red Special. It's, it's this amazing guitar. And Brian May has this signature sound. And I was watching a video online where they, the, his guitar tech, the, the roadie for the band Queen, he brought out this guitar. And he's like, yeah, this is the famous Red Special. And then he was talking about how Brian May's amplifiers are set up. And he showed him the whole stage set up. And it's like, wow, you kind of get this behind-the-scenes tour. And they're like, so this is, this is what makes that signature Queen sound, right? And the tech says, actually, no. Here's why. I've been on the road with Queen for a long time, and I've seen amazing, like elite athletes of the guitar world pick up Brian May's guitar and play it, you know, before a show, during a show, and it never quite sounds the same. He's like, you may think that Brian May's guitar is what makes the Queen sound, or Brian May's amps, or Brian May's stage setup is what makes the Queen sound, but based on all that I've seen, my conclusion is this, the thing that makes the signature queen sound, is Brian May. When the Red Special is in the hands of its owner and creator, it makes some amazing and unique sounds. See where we're going? That's us. We are uniquely crafted. We're each individual, and we are one of a kind. And we can sound like this, or we can sound like that, but when we allow ourselves to be placed in the hands of the master, some amazing things can happen. Some amazing sounds can come out of that. God can use us to bring joy into other people's lives. God can use us to speak words of affirmation to people in a prophetic way. I want us to practice this today. And a simple exercise that we've done before. Uh, I want to end by encouraging you to speak a word of truth into somebody's life. Speak is uh, not really what we're going to do. We're going to write it. So under the seat in front of you, there are little squares of paper, like a regular sheet of paper that was cut into fourths. And there's pens. If you're a digital person, you could also take out your cell phone. You could text a message to somebody. You can post a message. Folks at home, we want to encourage you to do this as well. But think of somebody in your life that you can speak a word of the Lord to. You can tell them what God is able to do through them. And I want you to, I put this up here because this is what I want you to start with. God can use you. And you might say it to somebody like the preacher, God can use you to preach. I already know that. And that's sort of an easy answer. Dig a little deeper. Maybe the person who doesn't know the Lord. Maybe the fact that you can see something in them that they may, may never have seen on their own or they wouldn't have guessed and say, you know what? God can really use you because you are a fantastic organizer. You are fantastic with children. You are a fantastic hospitality person. You're, you're a fantastic host. Lisa and I were over at a friend's house for dinner on uh, Friday evening with all the girls. And man, that's a, whole, that's a whole hurricane to bring over to someone's house. And man, they, I, I recognize the gift of hospitality in them. I was like, man, you guys are so welcoming. You're so gentle with our girls. You're bringing out snacks all this time. Like, make yourselves at home. And we really, really felt at home. And I thought, man, Brian and Carlene, God can use you. You have a gift. So I want you to think of someone in your life that you can encourage with. God can use you. And identify something God has gifted them with. And then just give them that little nudge. Speak that word of truth. 
It's a prophetic word into their life. I'm going to give you some space to do that right now. I don't want you to do this later because you might not do it. I'm just going to stop talking. Uh, and you guys are going to start writing or typing, texting. But uh, go ahead and do this now. And after two or three minutes, the praise team will come back up here and lead us in our closing song. Uh, but this is something that we can do and that God can use. Like, I'm, I'm excited to see what the response that you might get from someone. Even if you just text somebody, God can use you and leave it at that. That's going to open the door for a conversation that might happen later. If I text my next door neighbor, God can use you. <laughs> and then he sees me later this afternoon. He'll go, oh, yeah, well, what was that all about? Well, hey, I'm glad you asked. I really see something awesome in you. I really think that there, there's, there's room for, for you to serve in God's kingdom. And here's how. That's kind of what I'm thinking, what I want you guys to do. So, as promised, I will stop talking. Go ahead and do that now, and then we'll sing in just a moment.